Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So I mentioned earlier we are launching into a new sermon series today, but it's not really a new sermon series. It's kind of an old one at the same time, because back in April, we started a series about spiritual gifts, and that's what we, we took a break from it for a little bit, and we talked about how do we connect with God, and now we're coming back to this series to dive into it. And we're talking in this portion of the series specifically about some of the mysterious things that God has done and some of the things that he, he likes to do in our lives. Because when Jesus was here on earth, he often did things that were surprising and mysterious to the people around him. One of the times when his disciples were on a boat and a great storm came up and Jesus is sleeping on the boat as the waves and the wind are almost overtaking the boat. And his disciples say, you know, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and instantly the lake is calm. And they're like, whoa, this guy can control the weather. And then shortly, a short time after that, the disciples are back out on a boat again and a big storm comes up and this time Jesus isn't with them. And they're like, well, last time Jesus calmed the storm, what's going to happen this time? And then all of a sudden Jesus appears and he's walking on water through the storm to his disciples. And they're all like, whoa, he can walk on water too. And twice he fed great crowds of people with only a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He fed thousands of people. And then there were the healing miracles, times when he would encounter people and they would be instantly healed of their afflictions or they'd be delivered from the effects of evil spirits in their lives. And then came the two big ones. Near the end of his ministry, he comes to his friend's place, Lazarus. And Lazarus has been dead for four days in the tomb. And Jesus says, no, he's fine. And he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And Lazarus comes back to life. And everyone goes, whoa, he can even bring the dead back to life. And then a short time after that, Jesus does it for himself. He's crucified on the cross, laid in the tomb for three days, and he comes back to life. And everyone's like, whoa, how can this be? They didn't believe it at first. Even his own disciples didn't expect it. See, when something mysterious happens, we have a choice. We can either dismiss it or we can choose to learn about it. And the problem is, is when we dismiss it, we miss out on what God is doing. In fact, Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, he struggled with scripture and he struggled with the Bible and especially these parts of the Bible where God was doing amazing things. And so he took it upon himself. He took the King James version of the gospels, just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he started taking a razor blade to them and he cut out every single instance where Jesus did something miraculous or any mention of the divine or any mention that he was the son of God. And all he wanted that he left, all the only portion he could understand was saying, we're just going to compile this to the moral teachings. And so Jefferson dismissed massive portions of scripture because he said, I can't deal with those. I can't understand that. I can't believe that. So all I want to keep is the moral law. And in fact, they call it the Jefferson Bible. And it's, it's horribly disappointing and empty to read because it misses all the things that God does. See, when we, something mysterious happens, we have a choice to make. We can either dismiss it or we can choose to learn about it. And when we dismiss portions of who God is, we miss out on what God does and what he has for us. And so that's the lens I want to have as we venture into this topic of spiritual gifts again, of saying these things may feel mysterious or strange to us, but are we willing to lean in and learn about them instead of writing them off and dismissing them? Because when we dismiss, we miss out. 
And so we're coming back to spiritual gifts, and back in April we introduced this definition. We said spiritual gifts are a specific ability that's given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. And these are different than from something like a natural ability, something you're born with, something like perfect pitch, where if you don't have perfect pitch by age three, you won't have perfect pitch. You can't develop it. It's a biological gift. It's something that just happens. Or there's also the category of learned skills. Something like playing an instrument isn't a spiritual gift. It's a talent that's learned over time of practice and developing. But spiritual gifts are different. They're given to us by the Spirit for this purpose of ministering to one another. And our whole foundation for spiritual gifts actually goes back to Jesus' baptism. When Jesus began his ministry, the first thing that happened was when Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened up. And something like the Spirit of God opened and descended like a dove and settled on Jesus. And a voice from heaven calls out and says, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. And this is the beginning of Jesus doing his ministry, the beginning of things starting out and changing. And everything that Jesus did happened after his baptism and happened because of the Holy Spirit empowering Jesus. And the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do his ministry is the Holy Spirit that's been sent to dwell in each one of us so that we have the ability to have spiritual gifts for the sake of benefiting the church so that we can build one another up. And so the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to us for a purpose and for a reason. That's what we're going to explore and dive into. And one of the questions that always comes up when we talk about spiritual gifts is, well, how do we know? How do we discover our spiritual gifts? And so we've been using this framework of kind of these three ways that we can understand our spiritual gifts. And the first is is that when you use your spiritual gift, when you start to lean into it and practice it, unexpected things happen. And what we mean by that is, is you may put in this much effort, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit puts in this effort. And the result that happens is so much greater than what you could have achieved on your own. It's kind of a one plus one equals three situation. It breaks the rules because it's the Holy Spirit working through you and through your gifting to empower and build up and benefit others. Another way that we recognize our spiritual gifts is that when we use them, there is an ease and a joy that comes with them. And and note it says ease, not easy, because using our spiritual gifts is often hard work and takes effort on our part. But there is an ease that comes with it because when you work in your spiritual gifts, what you are doing will come much easier to you than someone who doesn't have that spiritual gift. It's, it's, and actually, this is one of the things that can cause tension because you may have a spiritual gift and not know it, and then you're like, isn't it this easy for everyone else? And everyone shakes their head and goes, no, it's not. And then you go, oh, maybe this is a spiritual gift for me. That's why I find it easy. And there's a joy, there's a thrillingness that comes with this. There's excitement that happens when we get to be in the fullness of using our spiritual gifts. And lastly, it's often the case that other people are the ones who will point out the gifts that you have. We sometimes can't see them. But when you sit around with someone who knows you and they they see the way you work and they see how God has worked through you and they'll start pointing out to you, you have this gift and I've seen it because of that. And you might go, oh, I just thought that was normal. Well, for you, it is normal because it is your gift. And so sometimes we need other people to point out these gifts. And throughout this series, we've been relying on the work of a theologian known as Bobby Clinton, who took the spiritual gifts in Scripture and he broke them into three categories that, that worked really well. And these three categories, he breaks them into our love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. 
And so love gifts are the gifts that empower us to reveal God's love for other people. And the four gifts in that category are guidance, which is the ability to help people make the decisions they need to make to be able to see an end goal and help kind of guide someone to the steps they need to take. Sometimes it's called administration, but I like guidance better. It gets to that heartbeat quicker. And then there's also the gift of mercy, which is a desire and a gifting of the Holy Spirit to alleviate other people's suffering. It's a compassionate gift that shows God's presence through his love. Then there's the gift of helps, which is often task-focused. It's about being part of a team and being able to do something that helps move the mission of the church forward. And then there's the gift of giving. And we are all called to be generous. We are all called to be people who live generously with our lives, with our faith, with the resources God has given us. But some people get uniquely gifted with this desire and motivation and the means to be able to give generously above and beyond to the message of Jesus being shared and spread throughout the world. And the church doesn't get to just rely on people with the gift of giving, but some people have this unique gift that's called giving. And so that's kind of the love gifts in a nutshell. And if we move to the word gifts, these are the gifts that reveal who God is, what he desires, and what his plans are. And we kind of further broke the word category into two kind of subcategories where we say there's strengthening gifts that are about building up one another. And those are the gifts of encouragement, which is giving, like the word encourage means to give courage. It means to share words of scripture, to share words of information that help people have the courage to take the steps they need to take. There's also the gift of shepherd, which is this long-term care of a group of people, whatever size that group may be. It's a gift of helping people over a longer time period grow into maturity. And often the gift of shepherding has a little bit of a whole bunch of other gifts blended in together. And so sometimes it's mistaken, but it's a vital and critical gift for the church. And then there's the gift of leadership, which is about drawing people together and organizing them around a common mission and the common goal that God has given to us. And so those are the strengthening side. And then the proclamation side are about presenting who God is to reveal his plans, to reveal who he is, what his desires are. And those fall into three more of saying teaching, which is the gift of explaining scripture in ways that help people understand. There's the gift of evangelism, which is a passion for communicating who God is in relevant ways. And the gift of evangelism isn't measured by how many people respond. It's measured by your desire of saying, I want to share and to tell people about God's love for them, to tell them how great Jesus is, to tell people what Jesus has done for them. And then this last one in the word category, apostleship, is an entrepreneurial type gift. It's often the gift of people who just feel compelled and led by the Holy Spirit to often start new things or new expressions of the church. Often church planters fall into this category, but often business leaders have this this apostleship gift because it's about starting something new and and breaking forth God's kingdom into new areas where it has not been before. And we've had this kind of common theme for the word and the love gifts where we've said if you don't have a specific word or a love gift, then those gifts are a discipline for you to learn. So you may not have the gift of evangelism, but all of us are called to be able to share our faith. And so that's a discipline to learn, to say, how do I communicate who God is well? Or maybe um, the gift of mercy. You may not have that, that inwards draw to say, I just want to be there to walk with people, to show compassion and love. But all of us are called to love one another. And so mercy is a, is a discipline that we can learn if it's not our gift. 
And so that's kind of a wrap-up of those first two, and I've gone through them super fast. So what I want to encourage you to, if, you, if one of those kind of made your mind go, huh, that one might be me, can you do me a favor? Can you head to our website sometime this week and listen to the podcast of the time when we, we slowed down and we dwelt on just the love gifts and just the word gifts? Because I don't want you to miss out on your gift. I want you to be able to learn and explore because there's so much that happens when we discover our gifts. And so that leads us to the third category, and that is the power gifts. And power gifts are the gifts that reveal that God is present with us now and display his supernatural power. Now, we know that God is always with us, but when power gifts happen, they kind of make us go like, whoa, God is really in the room. He kind of makes us aware that God is often with us always, but they make us just, it's like we've tuned in to recognize. And these power gifts have this ability, they display God's supernatural power. Now, all the gifts are supernatural in basis, but the power gifts often just kind of open our eyes to what God is doing in a bigger way. Way And so that's what we're focusing on in this chunk of the series, is we're going to take a walk through the power gifts and dive into how God has uniquely equipped people in this room right here to do things that reveal God's presence and his supernatural nature. But we want to make sure that we express these in healthy ways. See, the power gifts require a common foundation so that we can express these in healthy ways because all of us come from a different background and have different experiences with the power gifts. Maybe when we started this series back in April, you were just like, okay, we just got to get to the power gifts. That's when it's going to get exciting. I want to see this. You've been exciting. You've been on the edge of your seat waiting for me to get to this chunk of the series. Or maybe you've been kind of, you know, a little cautious. You're like, I don't know, Brian. I don't know what you're going to say. This, this, is, this seems a little weird. And sometimes they do, but there's good in the weird. Or maybe you've come to this and you were like, you know, I, I left my last church because they started talking about all this stuff. Like, let's not talk about it. Let's, let's just not go into this area. Let's leave it alone. But I want to invite you. There's something so much more that we can find when we lean into the fullness of who God is and what he has for us and what he wants to give to us. But, like I said, we wanna, we're doing this series so we have a common foundation so that we can express these gifts in healthy ways. We're not going to be like Jefferson. We're not going to cut chunks out of Scripture and and say, we just don't like those ones, so we're going to put them aside, and we're only going to focus on what we like, because then we're cutting out parts of who God is. But we're also not going to allow ourselves to exalt the power gifts and say that they're above all others, because they're not. All spiritual gifts have the same purpose. And that purpose we find in 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Paul spent this long chunk of his letter instructing the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. And the reason why he had to do this was because the Corinthian church had kind of gone off the deep end a little bit. Their gatherings had become so chaotic and so, you know, just full of disarray and, and people using their spiritual gifts improperly that what Paul was writing to them about was saying, the way you are gathering, the way you are living out your spiritual gifts is actually harming your ability to share the message of Jesus. You have gone too far, and so Paul writes this letter to kind of rein in the Corinthian church and say, no, no, we got to get to this common foundation. And so the common foundation that all spiritual gifts start from is this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Paul says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So there's a promise that spiritual gifts are given to each of us. And the purpose is to help one another. 
And so all the spiritual gifts, even the power gifts, have an outward focus. Gifts are never meant to build up the individual. Gifts are always meant to empower others, to build up the church so that the church can achieve what God has called for the church to do. And secondly, this was the other problem the Corinthian church was having, is they were exalting certain gifts above others, and they said, oh, if you have this gift, you know, you really got it. Like, you are, you know, the man. Like, you are the leader. You are the one that should be up front all the time. Like, and what was happening was the church was getting unbalanced, and people were wanting this gift because they wanted the prestige that the church was giving to this one certain gift. And it was leading the whole church to be unbalanced and chaotic. And so one of the principles we have to remember is that all spiritual gifts are equal in God's eyes. No one gift is superior to the other. No one gift is less essential than the others. And later on, we're going to continue down to 1 Corinthians 12. Paul writes this, and he, he uses this metaphor to get his point across to the church. He says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we share the same spirit. He's saying, even though we have many parts, we are all part of one body. And he goes on and he says, you know, the body is not made up of all one part. And he makes this kind of image, you know, if the whole body was made of eyes, that would be grotesque. That's not what the body is made to do. But every part of the body has its purpose and its place and its function so that the body functions as a whole. And he summarizes this chunk of talking about the importance of the interdependence and the interconnectedness of the spiritual gifts by saying this. He says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. He says, and then he reminds them again, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you are part of it. So we have to remember that even the power gifts are connected together. They're connected and they're equal and they're on a level field with the word and the love gifts. So we've got to keep that as part of our foundation because unfortunately there are healthy and unhealthy expressions of every spiritual gift. We can use spiritual gifts well. We can also sometimes use them poorly. And so for example, if we go back to the gift of encouragement, if someone is healthy and using the gift of encouragement in healthy ways, they are able to give great courage to people and help them make the choices and take the steps and sometimes take the risks that will lead them deeper into their faith and will allow them to step forward and become who God is calling them to be. But an unhealthy encourager, if someone is unhealthy in the use of their spiritual gift, an unhealthy encourager is someone who places demands on other people and says, you know, starts pointing fingers and say, you should do this, you need to do this, this is the only path forward for you because that's the message I'm getting for you. But what happens then is that an unhealthy encourager becomes up- upset and angry if someone doesn't follow what they've said. And it leads to unhealth, it leads to division, it leads to conflict. And so every spiritual gift has a healthy side and an unhealthy side. And so that's part of why we're doing this series and building this common foundation is saying, how do we get to the healthy side of all of these spiritual gifts? And so one of the kind of the, we're going to talk about two kind of warning signs to look for. One of the warning signs is that if a gift is being used for personal gain, then the gift is being used improperly. 
Because remember, every gift has an outward focus. So if your gift is about making you feel superior to others, then unfortunately what you've become is a Pharisee. You've become someone that is trying to use your faith and your religiosity to put down others to make yourself feel bigger. And so if a spiritual gift is being used for personal gain, we are not using it the way God intended it to. And so we sometimes have to ask ourselves when we're using a spiritual gift, you know, is this about me? Or is this about encouraging and building up others? Is this about the body? Is this about others? Because otherwise we're violating that interdependent nature of all the spiritual gifts. And the second place where we can get really unhealthy with spiritual gifts sometimes is this. If we love the gift more than we love God and love others, then we have turned the spiritual gift into an idol. The gifts cannot replace God. Spiritual gifts help us walk on the path that God has for us. It helps us see God's presence with us. But if the gift becomes more important than God, then we have turned it into an idol. So how do we do this? How do we make sure that we stay in the healthy realm of spiritual gifts, especially the power gifts? And there's two things that I want to call us to focus on. And these two things are this, our identity and our character are what allow us to use our spiritual gifts in healthy ways. Our identity and our character, that's what we need to choose to say this is the foundation for using all spiritual gifts in healthy ways, is coming back to our identity and our character. And we're going to jump over to one of Paul's other letters for a moment. We're going to jump to the letter of Galatians, where Paul summarizes these two things. He summarizes our identity, and then later he summarizes our character and why it's so important. And so in Galatians 4, verse 7, because Paul was just way more encouraging to the Galatians than he was to the Corinthians, so we're going to jump there because Corinthians gets a little depressing if we spend too much time there focusing on what this church did wrong. We can learn a lot, but let's get to where it's joyful. And Paul tells the, the Galatian church this. He says, now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. He talks about when you've come into a relationship with Jesus, when you've chosen to trust Jesus with who you are and who he created you to be. He says, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. That means he has an inheritance for us. He has something to give us. And part of what he has to give us is our spiritual gifts. That's part of our inheritance as being God's child. And so our identity, first and foremost, if you've chosen to put your trust in Jesus... How you define who you are when someone says, well, who are you? You know, we often respond with our job or we respond with, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a husband, or, you know, maybe we respond with our hobby, I'm a fisherman or I'm a mechanic or, or however we tend to define ourselves. But can we make a choice to say that when we ask ourselves that question, who am I, that existential question that we often think about but sometimes fail to verbalize, when we think about who I am, am I willing to say, I am God's child, that that is who God has created me to be, to be his child. The way that a father loves a child is the way that our God loves us. And because of his love for us, we are his heirs, and he has an inheritance. He has something he wants to give us. Like every parent desires good things for their child, so does God desires good things for us. So when we think about spiritual gifts... We have to place our identity as a child of God first and foremost before our identity is being based in what our spiritual gift is. 
So right now, I'm using my spiritual gift of teaching. And I don't say, I am a teacher. You know, that's my identity. No, my identity is I am a child of God. And if we get that identity piece firm and cemented in our lives, it immediately puts us on the path towards using our gifts in healthy ways instead of down the path of leading our gifts in unhealthy ways because that identity is so critical and core. Who are we? We are children of God. And then a little bit later in Galatians, Paul talks about what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, and he gives this list of characteristics. And he says, this is what the Holy Spirit produces, this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he, he repeats, he says, there is no law against these things. See, our character defines how other people see us, how we act, how we choose to make decisions are all based on our character, of who we choose to be. And working on our character is tough. It is difficult to stop yourself and ask, you know, in this moment, am I being loving? Am I being peaceful? Am I being patient? Am I being kind? You know, it's a long list to go through. But these are the characteristics that help us be close to who God has called us to be. So are we willing to lean into this? And so there's, a quest, there's two questions that I want us to kind of pose at ourselves. Before we ask, what's my spiritual gift? We need to ask two questions. How secure is my identity? And how is my character growing? How secure am I in knowing that I am a child of God? How secure are we in that being the root and the foundation of who we are? And secondly, where is my character growing? Which one of these characteristics of what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives are we trying to focus on? And and don't try to focus on the whole list at once. You know, pick one and focus on it for a time period. And then when you feel like I've made some progress in that, then add a second to it. Because if you look at the whole list, it just feels daunting. But it's simple to say, am I being more loving? Am I being more peaceful? Am I being more patient? Just to ask one of those questions when our stress level is rising or when we're in a difficult conversation or a difficult discussion is happening, we can pause and we can say, am I growing my character in this moment? Because all of us know that our character grows through adversity. Our character grows through difficult situations and how we handle ourselves defines who we're becoming. So are we choosing to be secure in our relationship with God? And then how is our character growing. Now you might be thinking for a moment here, like Brian, you said we were going to get into this power gifts. You haven't even listed them. And that's true. I haven't. And I'm not going to start listing them till next week because we need a common foundation together as a body of Christ, as a local church of saying, what is our common foundation that we will hold to together so that when we use these gifts, we will use them in healthy ways that empower one another, that build up the church, and that we actually get to be who the Holy Spirit has called us to be. And so through this sermon series, as we talk through these gifts, and we're just going to tackle kind of one, two, or three a week for the next little while, we're going to look at how do we live these out healthy, but also what are some of the warning signs that we've ventured down the path of living this out in unhealthy ways? Because you know, we all know we would rather live these out in healthy ways than unhealthy ways.
So there's kind of three little questions, three little things that I want to ask you to do this week. And if that is, if you missed the first chunk of this series, when we talked about word or love gifts, I really want to encourage you to take some time this week. They're only about 25, 35 minutes long. Listen to our podcast from the last sermon series. Listen to the podcast on word gifts and love gifts if you missed those, because I don't want you to miss out on your spiritual gift, because you might have one of those gifts that's in those categories, and I don't want you to miss out. The second thing is to ask these questions. How secure is my identity, and where has my character been growing? Are we willing to ask those tough questions of ourselves? And lastly, we do this thing every week where we, I, I put together discussion questions for our life groups, but even if you aren't in a life group, we post them on our website. If you go to our In the Loop page, there's a link right at the top that says discussion questions, and all the discussion questions from our last couple series are up there. But I really want to encourage you to lean into that because these are questions and these are some scripture readings that will help us get to this, how secure is my identity? How is my character growing? Because that's our common foundation. Again, we don't want to be like Thomas Jefferson and cut out the parts that we don't like because we're going to miss out on part of who God is. And at the same time, we don't want to go down to the other path of treating some gifts in excess and exalting them above all others because all spiritual gifts are equal. So are you willing to be on that journey together with us? Are we willing to say we're going to figure out a common foundation? If we make mistakes along the way, we'll correct and we'll have grace and we'll have forgiveness for one another and we'll figure out this path together. Because this is when we get to dig into what the Holy Spirit has for us as a church and has for us as individuals and how we together can display the interdependence and the connectivity of the body of Christ because that is what is appealing about following God and knowing who he is when we get to live in the center of who God has created us to be. And spiritual gifts are a core part of understanding who God has created us to be. Let me pray for us. God, you saw fit to give us gifts. When you had your last evening with your disciples, they didn't get why you had to leave even then. And you said, it's better for me to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And the disciples scratched their heads, but Lord, as we're here, we want to hold our hands open and say, Lord, we are here to receive what you have for us. We're here to receive the gifts that you have already given to us that we just have not unwrapped or developed yet. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us have this common foundation of saying that we're going to choose to lean into this in healthy ways. Would we be secure in our identity and would we grow in our character so that together we can represent who you are to our community, to our city, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, and we can show the beautiful thing that you created in giving the world the church. In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, I hope to see you here next Sunday. And once again, happy Mother's Day. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.